Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two sharp chefs and a microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louis Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we wanted to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. Hey, Louis, it's time to spill the tea. Yes. <laughs> Spill the tea. Spill it. Spill it. Um, let's go ahead and start with some words of wisdom and this podcast. Sharp quote, Lou. You can't get a cup of tea big enough or a book long enough to suit me. I C.S. Lewis. Author? Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Big time author. Behind that curtain. All right. So in this podcast, Louis, we are talking tea. And tea likely dates back to the Shang dynasty around 1500 BC. In a popular Chinese legend, the emperor was drinking a bowl of boiled water when a few leaves blew in from a nearby tree. As the legend goes, the emperor was surprised by its flavor and its restorative properties. Well, Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love that. I love legends. So today our guests are Jenny Wong, co-owner of Flock and Fowl, Fat Choy, and Every Grain. And also we have with us Elise Peterson, the CEO and founder of Teelit. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Thanks yeah. for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Okay. So we're the opposite of tea experts. So <laughs> yes. we like to think, you know, we know some stuff, but mm-hmm. clearly we don't because... I just sipped some of your tea right here, which say what it is again. Uh, it's a cold brew, amber red, black tea from Nepal. I've never tasted anything like it. I literally said that this wow, morning right? I felt like I drink piss now and I love tea exactly. <laughs> because this is so much better. Well, here's a surprise. The fact that you've taken that sip and had that experience means now that you have like a higher tea education than like 75% of the U.S. population. So it's a new thing. It's a very new thing. And the fact that you drink it and I've been so moved by it is uh, very powerful. And that's what Jenny and I are so committed to doing is introducing this experience to everybody. So we are here at Evergreen, which is your newest restaurant venture with your husband, Sheridan. Yes. Thank you, Lorraine. And you are introducing this full tea service here. And what was the reason why you wanted to do it with this restaurant? So at Fat Choy, we're inside of a little casino and sometimes the smoke does waft into the restaurant. So it was tough to do it there. I had Flock and Fowl on Sahara in 2015 for two and a half years. And I over there, it was crazy busy and there was so little space. I would not have been able to fit a tea cart in there, but I did offer loose leaf tea and really great teas also from Teelit. Mm-hmm. And that was the start of my journey uh, in offering really nice and fine teas. Then I came across some investors and we opened up Flock and Fowl downtown and the investors for their bottom line felt that carrying these nice teas was not the best in their interest. But yeah, let's, let's peel that back. Why is that so? I mean, you know, when you think about like the whole spectrum of beverages, we have alcohol, we have coffee, we have wine and, you know, spirits and stuff. Right. So why not tea? And where is where's the governing body? Basically, we were talking about this like a while ago. 
It's kind of tough because as I want to offer tea, even as I had so many teas here now at Every Grain, someone still came in and was like, you know what? You need a Longjing, a dragon well. And so then I went to Elise and I was like, Elise, I need to add dragon well to my list. I can't believe I didn't have their cup of tea, you know? And so I think for the investors, they saw the list grow longer and longer and longer, but they didn't see the profits right away or right. the return on That's investment. the bottom right line. <laughs> and it's not fair because it, it does sell and it sells well and it goes so well with lots of different parties, bachelorettes, and everybody does enjoy the tea. And I could tell, especially when I brew it, I think the problem is when they see the inventory could go to the inventory shelving space could go to a bottle of Jack or right. which is going to be a higher markup. Right. For them. Exactly. They don't think of it. But the tea, tea the tea, tea can be a high markup. Yeah. But it requires some work. It, require, it requires training your staff. It requires completely repackaging the value of what tea service usually has been, even in fine dining, which yeah. is like a, a fancy box of tea bags for them to choose with their, you know, slice of lemon and hot water. Um, that's at most a $3 value in the consumer's perspective of value of yeah. how much a tea bag and hot water should cost. Um, if you create a really fine tea experience, you could actually cr- turn that into a 12 or $15 value, mm-hmm. but you have to train your staff. You have to have uh, the proper uh, equipment for the brewing um, and logistics in a high paced restaurant. Uh, when a restaurant has been used to just having the tea bags, which takes very little time or effort for the servers to do, it's really hard for them to think about creating that repackaged value. And really what's going to cause that change to happen as maybe a government body as you brought up. Yeah. But really I think what's going to happen is FOMO, you know, and that's why I'm so excited about people like you guys having that experience you yeah. just had. Cause once you taste it, there's no turning back. Right. You know, now, you know, now I'm going to be like, where can I find this? Yeah. So it's all about the education. And yeah, I mean, nowadays a lot of it has to do with social media and what gets out there on podcasts, on Instagram, on whatever. And I feel, I so agree with you that there is definitely a market for it out there. It's kind of like how many, it wasn't that long ago that we were like, it's absolutely crazy to pay $5 it's, for coffee. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Cause when we were growing up, no way any of no these way. places survived. And now people live at coffee shops and they're willing to pay nine, mm-hmm. 10, $11 for a coffee, you know, that has hemp in it or mm. CBD or, you know, people are willing to pay the money. It's just, how do we market it so that people understand that it's something that's amazing and delicious and special? It takes great effort and those products cost more. And the supply chains of those products tend to be a lot more um, direct, a lot more clear, less middlemen, less mm-hmm. people in there absorbing the value. So the keywords would be direct trade. Mm-hmm. Direct trade direct is trade. a term that the coffee industry actually started. Okay. Um, okay. And now that has trickled into chocolate, it's trickled into tea, but now it's also been co-opted because there's no police force on, you know, who can say what is direct trade, what is the definition right. of it. So that that can be an indicator, but really what should be the indicator is your, your taste and your right. uh, perception of quality. And so with tea, knowing the difference between high quality and low quality, which is also associated with ethics and, and goodness, So trust your connoisseurship, uh, to know good quality, it should have a nice aroma. 
-hmm. It should have a beautiful texture, like complex balance. Everything should be balanced. All these characters should be balanced, but beautiful character and its texture. But then the most important, and this is where the farmers get paid the most money. And this is usually in China, like Yunnan makes like the puer tea where they can really uh, tap into the last element of tea quality, which Mm -hmm. is chi energy, like, uh, the, the, like acupuncture, <laughs> like, like that, that legend that you mentioned at right. the beginning, that's all associated to tea's great power of absorbing and transferring chi from the earth, from the, the, the tea trees, deep root system, um, you know, into the cup. Um, and it's not just about the aroma, like, uh, Tivana or like kind of the, the entry of tea culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause like for a long time, we didn't have a tea culture in the States, the whole Boston tea party thing, like it became taboo to be like the British and drink tea. So we didn't drink tea for a long time, but then tea got introduced more recently in the past, like 20 or so years. And it was all about the aroma. So they would add perfumes to it. They would add flavors mm. and things. So they'd whiff the tin into your face and you'd be, Oh, that smells great. But then you drink it and it, it feel like water going down. Cause you just like, forget about it. As soon as the aroma was gone, you just forget about it. Right. But there are teas that like, when you drink it, you're thinking about it for hours afterwards. You can't right. stop feeling it. Like this cold brew, you're probably still feeling it. You're probably, oh, I definitely yeah. do. you're feeling like this texture exactly. coming back up. That's uh that's the Hue gun. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So, uh, whenever I serve tea, a lot of times people are like, oh, I still taste it afterwards, you know, and that's what we call the golden sweet and golden Mm -hmm. sweet is something that you can't really describe. It's not exactly bitter. It's not exactly it's after you drink the tea down, uh, it is very amazing. Like the way you know that a tea is good is when you get that golden sweet and it comes back, the aroma comes back from the back of your throat and uh, kind of like lingers underneath your tongue almost. Mm -hmm. And it's the sweetness that you can't truly describe, but it's when you know that you've had a good tea, that you have that golden sweet. So So Jenny, when you... um when you drink wine, mm-hmm. you sniff it. Yes, absolutely. You swirl it. Swirl it yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people will say to chew it. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the things that we should be doing with this higher quality tea? Yeah. Well, actually, you could do it with all teas. You don't have to do it with the higher quality tea, but then you'll notice there's a big difference. A big if you difference. actually start with, you know, the simple... Lipton. <laughs> That's all my mom drinks, by the way, which is hilarious because she's half Asian. Is like, what? She loves Four Lipton. Oh my like God. Tea it kills me. But yes, <laughs> go ahead. But commodity tea, if even if you start there, you'll notice you'll actually not get any aroma from it. Mm-hmm. And when you drink it, uh, most likely it's tannic, very bitter. bitter um, yeah. And it's not good for you. You need you know? honey, you need milk, you need things to right. add to you it in order to make to it. To it. They were in, those teas were engineered to need the milk and honey because oh. those industries were all in, you know, but so for a fine tea, you know, you brew it and every step of the way from when the tea is rolled, a hand rolled and you could show it to, you know, your guest and have them sniff it. And then to where you've poured the hot water and now you could let them sniff it again. And then they have the tea in their cup now in front of them and they yeah. could look at it, observe the color. Then they could um, take a slurp. I call it a little slurpy, <laughs> mm-hmm. take a little slurp of the tea and and uh, aerate it with their, you know, with, you know, between their teeth. And then they just kind of roll it between their tongue uh, and the and and the bottom of their, you know, right behind the teeth. And they could taste the tea 
and really get that aroma, the, you know, whether it has chi, like uh, Elise is talking about. Right. And then once they swallow it, they'll realize, wow, that was an excellent sip of tea. Yeah. And puer, coming back to the puer tea, puer is fermented. Correct. Yes. Yeah, sure. it can be fermented. Oh, okay. it, it's um, it's post fermented, so it means after its production, then they'll ferment it for some time, and mm-hmm. it'll age and change. So mm-hmm. the OG style of puer is called shung puer. So that's like raw puer. Mm-hmm. If you get it freshly harvested, like how I do, so my business, we import tea from small family artisanal farms around the world, and we're always trying to rotate inventory fresh. So I'm not really aging the tea, but I have clients that would age it. Right. Um, and it takes like uh, at least 10 years for the tea to start making any like real noticeable change. Right. Huh. 20 years best. And then they have dry aging and wet aging. So wet aging is like in a climate like Hong Kong or Taipei, where it's like warmer and more humid, it's going to accelerate that fermentation process. So the aging will be faster. But in the 1970s, uh, with, you know, the the big growth in the economy and, and, and business opportunity in China, uh, the government, when, when they were still centralized in all of their, their industries, uh, they developed a process called shoe processing where they accelerate that fermentation in a two-month period. Mm-hmm. Is so it legit? It's legit. I mean, it's scientifically legit, but this is what it is. It's composting. Ah. So they heap, they heap the tea in like three ton batches. So they use very large quantities of tea. Just picture and, that. Uh, they create like heat uh, to accelerate the fermentation. And they're constantly like flipping turning, the pile, turning. turning the pile, just like compost. Just okay. like if you were trying to accelerate the decomposition of your yeah. food so they're cooking to compost, it, they're cooking it. It's cooked pour. Yeah. So there's raw pour and cooked pour. Uh-huh. And so that means that after two months, then it's like a, it's a aged. It's, uh, it's darker in color. It gets mm-hmm. richer in texture and in flavor. Uh, but the issue with shoe pour, if you start getting down this rabbit hole of tea yeah. and start buying tea online and you buy a bunch of the shoe pour, what you're going to find is a lot of it's going to be fishy. Ah, a fishy smell to yeah. it, a fishy taste. And the reason why is because in those production rooms where they put the three tons of tea, this is in China. And you understand the sanitation standard in China is a little bit different than it yeah. is here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the men are smoking cigarettes and bare feet walking around, right, you know, yeah. sweeping up the tea leaves. So um, if it's not perfectly clean and the perfect environment's like brewing beer or making yogurt, mm-hmm. if you're not using clean wares. It's absorbing all the yeast in the air. Yeah, so the wrong things will go in and you're going to have like the wrong things fermenting and some of those things might be making fishy smells or um, right. could even affect like the physiological change to your body when you drink the tea. So um, I, I I give a lot of caution to people that start exploring the shoe puer. It is like a cheaper version of this aged puer because you don't have to wait 20 years of it aging in someone's cave uh, before you can buy it. Right. Uh, but uh, you will come across a lot of fishy teas, you know, so a lot of people that listening to this might feel like, oh, I don't like puer tea. I tried it one time and it was just tasting like mud and fish and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that that's true, that they had that experience, but it's not the experience. Yeah. The experience, it should be rich and flavorful and the chi should be coming into like the core of your body. Um, and, and, and even evenly distributing throughout your body. So uh-huh. sometimes when it comes to chi, you'll feel the chi, but maybe it just goes straight to the top of your head and it feels like your head's about to explode. That is not good quality. That means that, you know, 
someone cut a corner or, you know, I don't know how to explain it. Really, I've, I've been trying to figure out the science of this. And there's so many different, you know, different ways you can go in the processing to make a mistake or make it better where I, I can't. There's no cookie cutter way of the right. best process for tea, like trying to make a tea master. How do you make a tea master? The tea master is just someone that's so intimately in touch with the tea leaf that when they process it, they're, they're hearing them, they're smelling them and knowing the changes and putting all of their love and good intention, just like a chef, you know, if they're putting yeah, their love and right. good intention to a dish, it's going to come out a whole lot better if they're like, you know, putting a lot of bad intention into things. So, right. um, or commercially producing. Yes. yes. And that's bad intention. That's right. like quantity over quality. And, uh, a lot of times bottom externalized, line. yeah, bottom line. And a lot of times externalized costs that are not considered like the indentured labor, like, um, the chemical use on the soil, like the soil is a very important part of terroir. Yeah. It's just as important as the people that interact with the plants. And if you're like pumping chemicals and then depleting all the biodiversity, so like water can't be there and nutrients can't be there and the soil can't just be its healthy self like it wants to be. Um, that's the negative intention and all of those things add up and, and create like a lower grade product. So the difference is in the flavor. Yeah. When I, when I talk yeah. with the tea, like, so I specialize in working with like, uh, the colonial tea estates of like India and Nepal and Sri Lanka and working with them. My favorite. Sri Lanka. <laughs> Sri Lanka tea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. good. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of these like estates have gone out of business because the commodity business is just so tough. Like the bottom line just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So the owners will just leave and then the local people are left with the tea fields. So I specialize in work with like, uh, younger, younger generations on those farms mm -hmm. of people that like want to uplift their families and communities and like learn how to make good quality tea and learn how to make a good opportunity for their family. And so they asked me, how do I, how do I do it? You've gone all over the world. You've gone to China, you know, right. about tea, you're a food scientist. How do we do it? And I'm like, well, here are the basic steps, but really how you do it is you have to become a tea master yourself. You have to have the best intention. And in China, Chinese tea culture, there's a term that's become popularized recently called gung fu cha, which is just a, it's an intention as a, a set intention. It's not a ceremony. A lot of people say it's a ceremony and how you brew your tea. It's like, no, it's, it's to do something with great skill, mm -hmm. not through experience necessarily, but just with your intention of like doing the best you can with the resources that are there. I want to yeah. talk a little bit about that with Jenny too, because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you have this family business that you've yes. been growing in right. several restaurants mm -hmm. and I absolutely love the idea of this new place, every grain, how it goes back to Sheridan's mom. I, I love that idea. Mm -hmm. And that's, I feel like tea is like the perfect way to kind of the way that people pair with wine or pair coffee or pair liquor with food. Yes. I feel like it's got that great intention uh -huh. of to round being something that goes back, yeah. you know, cause tea Absolutely. goes back as we talked about five, 6,000 years, mm -hmm. you know, Taiwanese rice goes back who knows how long to the beginning of time. <laughs> yeah. So is that kind of your intention as we talk about intentions to kind of, you know, marry the idea of something, bringing something back, bringing back culture, bringing back something that's family and, you know, grounded and older. Yeah, so definitely every day that I do the hot tea service, I talk about the philosophy of tea. And it's never about brewing the perfect cup. It's always about, about brewing the better cup. So every mm -hmm. day it's a better cup and each time it's a better brew. So technically over time, as people come, their tea gets better because I get better. But at the same time, when they drink, their palates get better as well. Right. And the tea goes with the food 
food and the food that they've had, now their experience is better. And every time their palate is just a little bit better, their experience is a little bit better. And it's a gung fu kind of like all together. It's not right, just right. me. It can't only be me. Anytime the intention is only from one way, it'll never work. It has to be received and accepted. So if I'm brewing the tea and they're just having a crappy day, like the worst day, and they don't want to enjoy that tea. I can't make them enjoy that tea. Right. But if they're open and receiving and their energy is like, yes, please give me good tea. Right. And I serve them that tea and they're willing and accepting of the tea, even if they've never had it before, even if it was a terrible day for them and they're willing and open to accepting the tea and they're open to accepting it, pairing with the food, they'll be like, wow, this was great tea, you know, and I totally understand it. I totally get it. What farmer did you say you met, you right. know, that <laughs> sang through their tea leaves? Like, like, and you see how this is kind of like an open experience between the person that serves it and right, makes it right. and then the guest. And, and it should be like that with like, food as well. Yeah. Right. And, and I hate how like, you know, sometimes like wine psalms or like stuff, you like, oh, this is the best. This is how you consume it. This is just right. like a one way process. Mm -hmm. But really it is, you know, based on like right. service and, you know, appreciation. Service and acceptance. Sure. Yeah, right. acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, we talked a little bit about chi and these things that are maybe loftier goals mm -hmm. of tea. Right. Um, I've never it's, like talked about wine chi. Right, right. Exactly. So they should be talking about it. Wine will get a lot better. They let's did. go into that. <laughs> so many cultures, much older than American culture, right. like the Asian cultures, the Middle Eastern cultures, the African cultures, Native American cultures. That's a lot of cultures. It is, but it's, but it's the, the cultures that know more than we do. Yeah. Let's be honest. Right? Yeah, that's true. We think we know a lot. We don't know as much as they do. No, I mean, America knows Lipton. Um, so they've been oh, drinking gosh. tea for generations. <laughs> and it's always been a belief, and Louie and I, I'm sure, have had this um, in our childhoods because we come mm -hmm. from some Asian backgrounds, that um, tea is restorative, that it has this ability to whatever. Like, honestly, it's like our version of, like, there's things that are hilarious. Like, I know with Latino people mm -hmm. or Latinx people, their thing is a, a vapor rub. Like, their parents, no matter how, like, right. whatever they have, they could have, like, a skinny, and they're like, rub some vapor rub on it, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it's a hilarious like. Latinx thing. <laughs> but Asian people, it's like that with tea. Like, my mom would always say, drink are you drinking tea? tea? Like, oh, wait, you're eating oily food? You got to drink tea. Like, yeah, it's tea. just, right. like, this yeah. thing that they believe it's all healing, Right. How, so do you, even, how do you feel about that? So even when you go to eat dim sum, you don't really go to eat dim sum. You go to literally the words are yum cha, drink okay. tea. Whoa. Is that no. what that means? Yeah, yum no. cha means drink yeah. tea. No. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> and you dim sum at little hearts. I've been doing this thing the, wrong my whole yeah. life. Okay. <laughs> yum cha. I did not know that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So as soon as you go, the first thing they ask you is, what kind of tea you like? Right? Okay. So, I do remember that. Right. My mom always says so, Hong Pin. Yeah. Yeah. So I know nothing. I just so listen. <laughs> that is inheritance right there. Right. Because when you go to get dim sum the next time and somebody's like, oh, what tea do you want? 
in your mind, there is no other tea. It's just harmpin. Because that's and what my mom wants. That's yeah. because that's what your mom ordered. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that is inheritance, right? And For so sure. you have no idea, but that is part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And you order that tea and that tea is related to you because generations before you ordered the same thing. Right. So your Whoa. mom grew up hearing someone else order her Oh, for sure. Right? It was her mom, probably. So, exactly. <laughs> and so, but unfortunately, a lot of this is commodity tea that we're drinking, not good tea. And so we need to be able to have culture and say enough is enough. No Lipton. <laughs> Next. No right? So you yeah. hear Jenny right now. Yeah. Is <laughs> Elise, is Jenny like your perfect yeah. Yeah. buyer? Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. She's pretty perfect. I, she's very passionate about it. You know, I can yeah. tell that you're passionate. You're you know, so you're the CEO and founder of Tila. But she's just as passionate as you yeah, are. No, That's your friends. perfect fire, yeah. right? We're going to take over the world together. Yeah, we, we are, right? <laughs> right? We're going to share tea to the entire world and make sure that they know there is a difference between, you know, a $6 cup of tea and a $20 cup of tea. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be someday the frame Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. Now now I don't want to buy my tea anywhere <laughs> except, uh, I mean, maybe I'll... Do you have a store? That's yeah, so so we you have, have tastings, a tea room. Right? Yeah, we, we have a tea room near Chinatown. Mm-hmm. It's where our warehouse is in my office where, you know, we, we operate our software, our marketplace and handle all of our distribution. So our distribution happens all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there is there was some limited distribution here in Las Vegas, some restaurants like Every Grain that are uh, picking up our tea and serving it. Um, but uh, because I have the tasting room, I do welcome the public in. It is mm-hmm. by appointment only. It's not like a drop in any time. But uh, I have a big tea table there. Very long one. It's twelve feet long, and That's we can a, fit twenty people. Louie table. and I are there. Oh, we're there. there. Yeah. yeah, we actually there just a lot. did. Yeah, she's there. She was supposed <laughs> to be there, there last little night. Little we were uh, we were doing a really big event. So I'm doing a lot of events this year. So you might hear about our venue, T-Let, and yeah. uh, different rock bands or yoga classes or you know, any kind of we're class. Like nonprofits will be there. Mm-hmm. I want to close this out and kind of go around and talk about the favorite. So okay. you kind of had said you liked tea from Sri Lanka a lot. Is that your favorite or that's okay. So actually if we go favorites, then I keep having new (laughs) favorites because Elise keeps introducing me. I can imagine. Right. (laughs) Uh, the world of tea is actually very big and you know, as you, as you go into it, there's more and more. I think tea is very subjective. And each time I brew something, I learn something new. For example, like the Kukicha is tea, brewed from the stem of the plant rather than mm, the leaf, you know, okay. and I learned something new there. And, right. uh, you know, then I learned about purple tea, which I don't, I realize I don't like, but it's from Kenya and it, you know, is they, it actually purple, the color? It's not the brewed leaf, but it has a purple. The leaf itself the has leaf. a purple hue. But yeah. okay. when you brew it, it doesn't. When you brew it, it doesn't okay. purple. It's that's butterfly pea. That's that's the other. <laughs> yeah. So butterfly pea <laughs> flower is actually very beautiful in color, but it tastes like spinach water to me. You know, mm. like so. So honestly, uh, don't be lured just by the name of a tea. Right. It's just like wine. Drink it. See what you like. If you don't like it, move on. There will be eventually a tea that you love. And I love this tea. Yeah, the amber red this is, is my really new favorite good, tea. Right? It's really good. Seriously. Right? So I, I love I love um, dark roast tea guanyin. 
That's oh, my favorite. Yeah. Dark roast tea, Guanyin. So Iron Goddess, um, that is my favorite tea. Elise? I know this is like picking a favorite child. Oh my no, God. no, no, no. But do it. But the, the first <laughs> tea that ever like blew my mind and like really elevated you know, for me knowing that tea can be good. Whoa. Okay. Now I understand why people like go crazy for this stuff was a uh, shaded green tea from Japan called Gyokuro. Um, and shaded green tea can also be like matcha. So okay. it's teas that are like uh, higher in the theanine. Okay. So I guess I like that reaction. I like, you know, I work a lot. And, Super chill vibe. And I, I like to be chilled, but I also like to be focused and be able to like type a million right. emails a, a minute, you know? So um, I, I do like that tea, but also Donsongs. Those are Phoenix Mountain Oolongs from China. Very mm. aromatic. Mm. Very expensive. I have expensive taste, yeah. I guess. But. <laughs> What's your favorite tea? Lo? I mean, I'm not even joking. This is my new favorite tea. <laughs> right. Um, right. But before this, <laughs> but before this, um, see, I'm like, I like things that are pretty. So I really love those Chinese flowering teas. Oh, okay. I just, gotcha. I bought like a tea. Oh yeah, and I bought the the see through tea container so I could just watch it. Yeah, ever since I saw Marie Antoinette right. and yeah. she loved those flowering teas, and I'm just like a girly girl, so I'm just oh, I want the. <laughs> are there ones like that that are so, good, or is it just for the look? It's mainly for the look. But damn it, oh but I will, I'll down those substance. <laughs> so what I will add is usually what I'll do is I'll brew a really nice tea, and then I'll go ahead and just let that blossom for the fun of right, it. Right, just yeah. for, yeah. for the fun yeah. of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. it's and a good decor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Um, there's this golden Buddha oolong that I got from San Francisco. I think mm. it was from Red Tea Company or something. The Red Blossom. Um, Red Blossom, yeah, there you go. They have good yeah. tea. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was awesome. Cause um, when I smelled it, I, I I partook in their little tea service and I tasted oh, it. Oh, right. And, and it reminded me of my nanny um, ironing um, my clothes when I was like younger. Isn't and that awesome? Yeah, they would, memory. Right? they would, yeah, they would um, uh, she would put the iron on banana leaves and that's exactly how it smelled. And I'm like, oh, my God, it just brought me back to that time where, oh, you know, cool. I was like six and it was like a hot <laughs> afternoon, and, mm -hmm. you know, it's the golden banana leaf. So, yeah, I still stock I it. I love that. Louie, this is our favorite part on the fly. I'm going to go ahead with Elise. 60 seconds rapid fire questions starting right now. The food you need in life. Tacos. Favorite dessert. Ice cream. Best tool for your job? Keyboard. Cat or dog person? Dog. Most inspirational person? Vandana Shiva. Who's that? Uh, she's a seed activist from India. Mm. Dream place to travel and eat? Oh, gee, China. <laughs> <laughs> like, where in China? All over, and I dream about it, and I live it every day. I love it. <laughs> Childhood food craving? Um, barbecue chicken. Guilty pleasure. Um, beer. Favorite alcoholic beverage. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> She's a simple woman, right? <laughs> How do you relax? Uh, drink tea. And your dream job. Or are you living it already? I'm pretty much living it. Well, actually, no. Dream job would be um, cooking and managing an eco surf resort on an island isolated far, far away. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Let's do Louie with Jenny. 60 seconds. Rapid fire questions now. The food you need in life. Sushi. Favorite dessert? Tiramisu. 
best tool for your job? Oh, man. Come on, we're on the clock. Teapot. Okay, teapot. <laughs> Cat or dog person? Cat. Mm, most inspirational person? Mother Teresa. Okay, dream place to travel and eat? Italy. Childhood food craving? Pizza. Guilty pleasure? Buttered popcorn. Good one. Favorite alcoholic beverage? Tempranillo. How do you relax? Mm, I go to the spa. <laughs> and is this your dream job or are you living it already? I don't know what my dream job is. Okay. You're still trying to figure out what your still dream job is. Still trying to figure it out. It out. Okay. <laughs> I, I ask everybody this because uh, what's your death row meal? Last possible like meal. My death row meal, uh, vermicelli cast iron made by my mama. There you go. I love that. All right. So we're going to end with let's sell it. So go ahead and sell your tea service. Tell us all about it. My tea service is absolutely amazing. It's only $5 per person. You and of course, choose, you're using Tea Lit Tea. Yes, I am using the tea from Tea Lit. And you can choose any tea that you want. All of them are loose leaf. Most of them are hand rolled. And I could tell you where it's from, who, who the farmer is. Um, I could tell you when it was harvested, uh, you know, and... I could tell you very honestly that I enjoy every single one of them myself. And I could tell you also if you're having it for the first time. So I'm very excited because I'm going to have it right after you. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Jenny, Elise, thank you so much. This mm -hmm. was awesome. We learned way more about tea than yeah. we've ever known. And no joke, that was the best tea ever, I've ever had. I am not thank joking. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs. That's with a number two on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week. <laughs>